0: What a wonderful time of worship. Well, I just have a few words. I feel God's put a few words on my heart this morning to share with you. I've only got 150 pages of my preach, so we shouldn't be here for too long. Hope you're ready. You know, God's got everybody here this morning who's supposed to be here to hear the word of God, that God wants to speak to us about his goodness, his grace, his love, you know, something that really came across for me in that worship. It's just how much Jesus loves us, how much He's for us. How big God is. No matter what situation, what circumstance we may have at the moment, God is bigger. And Jesus has won a victory on the cross. His resurrection, Jesus is alive. It's true. And that's something that we're looking at over these next few weeks as we look at these 40 days with Jesus. As we look at these days of Jesus' resurrection, where he rose again and he visited and he met with a number of people before he ascended into heaven. And today we're, we're moving on to look at the testimony of the two disciples that were walking from Jerusalem towards Emmaus. And they had an encounter with the living Jesus. Jesus was alive and he encountered and met with these two disciples. So what I'm going to do is read the story and the account from uh, Luke's Gospel. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to read... From uh, chapter 24, verse 13. A bit of a dry mouth today. I I don't know whether I'm just feeling God's presence with us this morning and uh, a bit of a dry mouth. I think God wants to speak to us today. I really do. I've got some. uh, I'm all right. So really, my prayer is that each of us would be open to hear God's word for us as he speaks to us through this passage. So Luke 24, verse 13. Now, this is the same day that Jesus rose from the dead. Two of them, two of his disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, you know, some of our women, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they, you know what? They didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen vision of angels. You know, and these angels, they said he was alive. Some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see him. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly to stay with us, they said, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now this is what happened. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and he began to give it to them, and then, at that moment in time, their eyes were opened. They saw Jesus for who he really was, and they recognised him. And then, he disappeared from their sight. I mean, how gushing must that have been, to recognise him, and then he disappeared, They asked each other, and I love this line. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened up the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning within us? They had an encounter with the living Jesus and something inside them, the revelation of Jesus, not that they knew it, But their hearts burned within them. And at that time they got up, returned at once to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven disciples and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke bread. Wow. And there's a lot in this story that I'd like to unpack for you this morning. And one of the main points that's going to, the theme that's going to run through the next 20 minutes or so, is the fact that the disciples, for a significant amount of this testimony, this account, they did not recognize Jesus. They didn't see Jesus for who he was until the last moment. You know, and it's something that that what we heard last week about Mary Magdalene, she didn't recognize him either at first. You know, it's funny that, you know, they knew Jesus, well, she knew Jesus very well. And in fact, these disciples were probably with him a few days ago. But yes, they didn't recognize him. Jesus, who had walked among them, who was their leader, who had talked with them, they didn't recognize him. So why is it that the disciples found it hard to see Jesus for who he was? Why didn't they see him? And I want us to think about this morning that, you know, I wonder if there are times in our weeks, in our days, in our in our encounters with Jesus, that sometimes our vision of him is a little bit blurred. I wonder whether our vision of Jesus cannot be that clear when it comes to seeing the resurrected Jesus today. So let's look at this particular account. We're told early on in this passage, in verse 16, that these disciples were kept from recognizing him. Now, it seems an interesting way for Luke to describe um, the disciples' response to, to seeing Jesus. One commentator suggests that it might be Satan keeping them spiritually blind from seeing him, another, that God may be keeping them from seeing him, as it's not Jesus' time. For them to to recognize him. Indeed, I could I would suggest there may be some truth in both of these suggestions, but I think a major part of these two disciples not seeing Jesus for who he was comes from inside the disciples themselves. The disciples' very attitude to the present situation. The present situation that the disciples have found themselves in. Their lack of faith of who Jesus was. Their lack of understanding of God's purposes for the time and the place. Why Jesus had to die on the cross. If this is the case, if it's looking at the disciples' attitude in themselves... I want to suggest three areas that may have caused the disciples to not see clearly of who Jesus was on this road. And the first, I suggest, is despair. If we look at uh, Luke 24, verse 17, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along the road? And... um, What was the disciples' response? Well, we read that they just stood still and their faces were downcast. You know, there was despair in their hearts. You know, it's worse than your favourite football team losing on a Saturday afternoon. You know, they were distressed. They were I thought that might have got more laughs than what it did. I'm sure there were footballers amongst us. (laughs) Yeah, they were all in despair, absolutely. (laughs) Did Arsenal win yesterday? Oh, did I play today? Okay. They were despair. They were downcast. They were upset. You know, the one person they thought was going to redeem Israel had just died on the cross. He was a great leader. You know, a few days ago, he walked into Jerusalem where they were putting palm tree leaves down. Saying, Hosanna, the King of David. You know, they were downcast. This man who healed many people. He brought light. He brought hope. He brought confidence to those who were downcast themselves. You know, he declared things like he was living water. That if you look to him, you would never be thirsty. He declared things like, I am the bread of life. Who comes to me would never go hungry. You know, this man was different. You know, he'd mix with the the poor, the broken, the rejected. But then these two disciples thought he'd gone never to be seen again. But you know, these two men were not looking at this through the eyes of the resurrection. They weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. They even talk of the testimony of Mary saying that he was alive. You know, they've Smith, who's the pastor of King's Church, he says this, Life is full of sadness and despair if there is no resurrection. As Christians, we believe in the resurrection is the power of our Christian lives. It is. The resurrection is the power of our Christian lives. The truth that Jesus is alive. And I just wonder whether today despair may be blurring some of our vision as we look to Jesus. You know, the resurrection promises freedom from the grip of despair. Freedom for every single one of us. If there's despair, if we know despair, the cross promises freedom from the grip that that can hold us in. Some of you may know that I'm having a loft conversion done in a minute, a, 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 at the moment. And if any of you have had building work done, then it can cause despair. You know, actually, it's been going quite, quite well. I mean, we've, we've, um, it's nearly finished. We're, we're quite pleased with it. But it's like, um, for me, or until shower panel gate happened we decided to go for a modern, nice-looking shower in our beautiful, ensuite uh, bathroom. And uh, we decided to go for these lovely shower panels. I don't know if any of you have them in your homes. Um, But they are, instead of tiles in your shower, you've got this wonderful panel. And um, so we've gone for these. Now, for us, it's been like one thing after another after another. And it's still not... Resolved. So we have the shower panels. First thing that goes wrong, we've got cracks in it, caused by um, unfortunate events. We then have another panel which has got scratches in it, caused by another unfortunate event. We now have a a panel which, which will hopefully go in, and then the builder didn't turn up on Friday to put them in. I was in despair this week on a number of occasions because of this shower panel. But I know I'm not beaten by this shower panel. And I'm continuing to trust in God. Because I know that there is one greater than he that is in the world, you know, it's a spiritual battle that we're in, you know, and we're not immune to despair, any one of us, but it's how we deal with the despair that comes on us. For me, I do a number of things. I think one of the days I went for a run. Now, it's not just great to uh, have a bit of physical exercise but it was spent for me, it was spending time with God, you know, talking to him on my run, shouting at him, crying to him. Why? Why does the builder not turn up? You know, it would have been all sorted now if it had done it on the Friday. You know, I turned to his word, God's promises, because God... It's a God of promise, and he never lets us down. You know, Psalm 43, verse 5, it's just a great bit of scripture for anybody who feels particularly despair at the moment. It says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Then it says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. You know, this morning, Just that call to worship him, call to praise him. And in praise, dispels despair. If you're in despair this morning, my encouragement to you is fill your heart with more of Jesus. More of praise and thanksgiving to him. Stand in God's promises. Receive the peace and joy that God has for you. Just Take that moment now to receive from the Holy Spirit the peace and joy as you put your hope and your trust in him. You know, he has an eternal plan of redemption for you to be a light, not just for yourself, but for those around you. So another thing that I would say stop these two disciples from, Je- from seeing Jesus, not just despair, is disappointment. You know, as Jesus again engaged with these two disciples, he asked them, you know, what, another question he asked them, what's been going on? You know, and subsequently he discovers what's going on in the hearts of these two disciples. You can learn a lot by asking the right questions. These two disciples were disappointed. They had dreams. They had expectations of Jesus. You know, what is it they said in this passage? They say of, um, they say of Jesus, he was a prophet. Um, in verse uh, 19. He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. You know, that was, you know, they saw this great man, but then what did he do? He'd gone and got himself crucified. You know, in verse 21, it says they'd hoped he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. They saw his death as the end. You know, they, they were disappointed. They saw that Jesus had died, so it was all over. But you know, these disciples didn't Have sight of the bigger picture. They didn't see that Jesus needed to die to break the power of sin and death. You know, the victory for Jesus and the victory for us as Christians, you know, it wasn't a physical one for Jesus, and it's often not a physical one for us. No, the victory was one that didn't take territories, it didn't take land. On earth, it was a spiritual one, and a spiritual one that freed mankind from the bondage of sin, Satan, and the bondage of self. That's what the cross did, that's what the resurrection is about. It's about setting us free from the bondage of sin, Satan, and self. And it's true for each one of us. As we put our trust in Jesus, these disciples were disappointed that things hadn't worked out how they expected. And I wonder sometimes whether we can be disappointed. You know, I wonder whether that can really sometimes stop us seeing Jesus for who he really is, for who he truly is. You know, disappointment of that things haven't quite worked out. You know, maybe there's heartache, challenges in our job situations. You know, family disagreements, breakups. You know, it's just, Jesus, this isn't quite how I expected it to be. And sometimes that stops us seeing Jesus. And the third thing I would say um, that blurts these disciples' vision of seeing Jesus is doubt. If we move on to verse 22, the the disciples are sharing reports of of Jesus being seen um, by different people. You know, they doubted the testimonies of these people. They doubted that it had really happened, that Jesus was truly alive. It had blurred their vision of seeing the truth that Jesus was indeed raised from the dead. You know, we can very easily doubt that there was power that raised Jesus from the dead. That That it actually did happen. You know, I think sometimes in our hearts... You know, if we truly reflect on that, that if that is true, that power is true, that that actually did happen, then that power is available for me today as a believer in Christ, as as being a person in Christ, that that power is available for me today. Actually, that will equip us and empower us to do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine as followers of Jesus. You know, I think there's doubt in our hearts sometimes that that actually did happen. Because if that doubt wasn't there, then possibly we could be more and do more in the power of Christ that is in work in each one of us. I think doubt really blurred the vision of these two, two disciples. It didn't, they didn't enable them to see Jesus there walking with them. And I think doubt can rob us sometimes of the best that God has for us. You know, this week I stepped out in faith, um, doing something I don't normally do. And, um, and I like to say I did it more. But I, uh, one of our neighbours has been off work and um, intermittently, and he works from home a lot. And um, he passed outside my home um, just the other day, and, and we stopped and had a, a, a short chat, and, and I asked him how things were, and I know that he has severe back problems, and, um, and he was sharing about it and sharing some of the symptoms and some of the things that he, he's suffering with, and I said to him, can I pray for you? And it's always a bit daunting asking that question to somebody who's not a Christian, to somebody you don't quite you don't know that well, but you want to step out in faith. You want to trust God in a situation where you feel totally out of your comfort zone. And so he said, um, he's a bit tentative, and... And I can't really remember his first response. (laughs) And our conversation carried on. And I thought, no, I really feel like I want to pray for him as a way of loving him, as a way of revealing the living Jesus to him. So a bit later on in the conversation, I said, look, you know, is it okay if I pray for you? He says, what, right here on the street? I said, yeah. And he says, all right, then. So I was like... Oh, my goodness. And um, so I sort of almost wanted us to make our way towards my house or to hide behind a bush or something. But I said, okay, do you mind if I just put my hand on your back? And he said, no, not a problem. So I put my hand on his back, and I prayed that God would heal him. Simple prayer. And that was that. And I haven't seen him since. <laughs> but I'm, I have confidence that that would have made a huge difference to his encounter with the living Jesus. A huge difference. You know, a couple of things he said to me as he left. He said, Firstly, he said, Thank you for taking the time to stop and talk with me. That was the first thing he said. And then secondly, he said, thank you for praying for me. You know, we are Christ's ambassadors in the world today. And we can be like light. We, the resurrection, the power of the resurrection is at work in each of us, in each of our hearts. And I know that sometimes I doubt the power of that resurrection. I doubt the fact that if I pray for him, he'll get healed. I don't know if he's healed. I don't know. But I said to him, I also, one of the things I said to him, actually, I did say, I pray for lots of people. Some get healed, some don't. But I will keep praying until I see the power of God at work in people's lives. There is power in the resurrection, there is power in the name of Jesus. An encouragement to us all is to get out there and share that. Help people see that Jesus is alive, alive today amongst us, working in us. And I just want to finish with this. As I talk about perhaps the things that can hinder our ability to see Jesus. What is the cure? Well, I think hopefully it's come across already. What's the antidote to our blindness? And that is to encounter Jesus more and more, to experience the presence of Jesus. You know, when we encounter Jesus, our vision gets clearer and clearer. And my encouragement to you is to meet with him afresh today if you haven't done already. You know, I don't know, it's a funny thing. I, I, sometimes it surprises me, but it shouldn't. It's in worship. You know, I, come, I finish our time of worship and I think, wow, well, I've just encountered Jesus. You know, encounter Jesus. He wants to draw close to you today. He wants to reveal more of himself. You know, he's full of love, affection towards every single person in this room. You know, Jesus will show up if we invite him. When we're alone, when we're with each other, when we're in groups, as we're looking through this series on 40 days with Jesus, he met with small groups, he met with the disciples, he met with large groups. You know, just to sort of uh, finish, if you like, the two disciples could have missed encountering and seeing Jesus. You know, it's actually possible to miss Jesus. You know, he, he was walking with them. You know, he'd opened up the scriptures. As we saw, their hearts burned as they heard the scriptures, as he talked about the word of God. But they still didn't recognize him. So it's possible to miss Jesus. To miss to easily miss him. You know, um, I read this, uh, this story, you know, in um, preparing, prepare, prepare, blah, 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 preparing for this, and it's a, it's a story of uh, Duncan Bannatyne, and, and possibly most of you know of him. He's one of the dragons from Dragon's Den. And he's one of Britain's most successful entrepreneurs. I was about to go into some dream of mine to be an entrepreneur, but uh, maybe for another time. But he's one of Britain's most successful entrepreneurs, and he's written, like many, an autobiography, and in it comes this most powerful but tragic story. Now, he tells of his life going from owning an ice, one ice cream truck in Glasgow to owning a huge train, a chain of health clubs, bars, and, and hotels. At one point, the book suddenly changes tact as Bannatyne retells the story of his visit to an orphanage run by Christians in Romania. And while there, he's impacted by the poverty that he sees around him, but he's moved by the significant work of the Christians living there. And he sort of suddenly, in this book, bears his soul to the reader. And this is what he writes. For me, the tears came at about 10 o'clock that night. I went outside, found a quiet place at the side of the house. I couldn't stop the tears. My face was wet, my nose began to run, and I was a mess. I had no choice but to let the tears flow. And they just kept pouring, pouring out of me and wouldn't stop. After many minutes, I began to get the feeling I wasn't alone. It was there that God said hello. I felt that I'd been consumed by this presence. That something had completely shrouded and taken hold of me. It was unmistakable. I knew who had come And I also knew why. It wasn't a spiritual thing. It was a Christian thing. And I felt I was being told, you've arrived, join the faith, be a Christian. This is it. It was profound and I stood there stunned, considering the offer and thinking about what it would mean. I knew I wanted to keep on making money, and I also knew I wanted to carry on doing all the things I wasn't proud of. I knew I was never going to be this totally Christian guy going to church on Sundays, so I said, No, I'm not ready. And God said, Okay, and disappeared. A very sad story. To be aware of God in that moment, but not welcome him in. To miss that moment of eternal destiny. You know, Jesus is knocking at the door. And the question to us all is, have you invited Jesus into your life, into your heart, in Revelation's chapter 3 verse 20 Jesus says, "Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Have you said yes to Jesus? Yes, you want him in your life. You know this isn't just a one-off event. Christian life is a journey for all of us, a journey of increasing revelation of who Jesus is, to see Jesus clearly, to have a deeper awareness of who he is in our lives. You know, life is a process of seeing Jesus, encountering him more and more, and inviting him into your life, inviting his spirit into our hearts again and again, that his spirit would fill us afresh. I think I'm going to stop it there in just one moment, but I will say one thing, and this is it. You know, there's two further ways our vision can be made clearer, and they are these. Firstly, reading the Bible. dada. da And secondly... Breaking of bread. And I just want to pull out these two points because they're in the passage itself. Jesus, you know, unpacks who he is to these disciples by quoting scripture or by by telling about the scripture of what happened with Moses, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. You know, Jesus uses the word of God, and that's what burns in these two disciples' hearts. And if you don't know this already, and I'm sure many of us do, but the Word of God is the place where our hearts will burn with the truth of who God really is. And we need to be steeping ourselves in the Word of God. We need to be reading it. We need to be breathing it. We need to be dreaming about it. This needs to encapsulate whatever the word is encapsulate our hearts like nothing else you know if you're reading books but not reading this put the books down and pick this up because this will give you that wonderful truth that will empower you and equip you for the life that God is calling you to you know read it with others if you find it hard Read it with your children. Help them be hungry for the word of God. Because it will help them see Jesus. And finally, you know, the, the very thing that opens these disciples' eyes is the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. As soon as he broke bread and gave it to these disciples, their eyes were opened. You know, and there's, there's a few things in this that helps us see Jesus. You know, there is the, if you like, the contrast between... The very, when was the very first time that eyes were opened in the Bible? It was Adam and Eve in the garden. And what happened? Their eyes were opened to their nakedness and shame when they ate the apple. And what a great contrast here that when they eat the bread that Jesus breaks, their eyes are opened to the truth and the glory of who Jesus was. Isn't that wonderful? That the very thing that disqualified them, their eyes are now open to the truth and the wonderful power of Jesus. The curse that came with the first acts of disobedience, was now reversed as they break bread with Jesus, as they take bread in obedience to who Jesus is, as we lay our lives down to Jesus. We get to become who God's called us to be. We get to come to know the fullness of what it means to be wonderful, loved children of God. And that is what we are. This is the promise when we take communion, when we break bread together, our vision of Jesus, of seeing him and the cross and the power and the death that he did to set us free becomes clear. You know, what a wonderful, wonderful truth. And then finally, this is my very, very last point. How did the disciples respond? When their eyes were open, when Jesus disappeared, what did they do? They went back to Jerusalem. Their hearts were filled with this wonderful truth that Jesus actually is alive. All of a sudden, their eyes were opened. They wanted to share it with others. And the challenge for us all is how much are you gripped with the truth of the resurrection, the risen Jesus, that we want to share that with others. Hallelujah? There you go. I'm going to stop there. So the band's going to come up. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to respond through this song. Use this song as a way of responding to what the Lord may have been speaking to you about this morning as you respond to him. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you revealed yourself to these two wonderful disciples walking to Emmaus on that day. Jesus, I just pray for anyone here that may have found despair, disappointment or doubt, things that have hindered their vision of you. I just pray, Jesus, break them off people now, I pray. That people would be set free that people would just say come uh, will come into come towards you. And see you clearly and know the freedom that can be found in the resurrected Jesus. And I just pray for anybody here, Lord, who has never made that decision to walk with you, to follow you, to make that decision today. To take that step of faith and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to give my life to you. I want to receive you into my heart. And Lord, I just pray for all of us that we would see you clearly more and more throughout this week, throughout this year. Jesus, we love you. Amen.